Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Grantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai, Samaveta Bhaktivedanta Ki Jai, Nitai Gaur Premanandi. So, apparently, we didn't read text 2 of chapter 2, so we'll go through that verse today and then we could just go up and then Vinod read up to text 8 so since we've been reading those verses then we'll just go ahead and read the translations again just so that we stay in the current of the chapter and 
and um, possibly we'll also read text nine. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Kastam chara chara gurum Nirvairam shantavigraham Atmaramam katam dveshti Jagato daivatam mahat Kastam chara chara gurum Nirvairam shantavigraham Atmaramam katam dveshti Jagato daivatam mahat Kastam chara chara Kastam chara chara gurum Nirvairam shantavigraham Atmaramam katam dveshti Jagato daivatam mahat Kastam chara chara gurum Nirvairam shantavigraham Atmaramam katam dveshti Kastam chara chara gurum Kaha Hu Daksha Tam Him Lord Shiva Chara Achara of the whole world, both animate and inanimate. Gurum, the spiritual master. Nirvairam, without enmity. Shanta Vigraham, having a pers- peaceful personality. Atma Arama, Atma Aramam, satisfied in himself. Katam, how dveshti hates jagata of the universe daivatam demigod mahat the great shila prabhupada's translation purport shila prabhupada ki jai lord shiva the spiritual master of the entire world is free from enmity is a peaceful personality and is always satisfied in himself He's the greatest among the demigods. How is it possible that Daksha could be inimical towards such an auspicious personality? Purport. Lord Shiva is described here as Charachara Guru, the spiritual master of all animate and inanimate objects. He is sometimes known as Bhutanath, which means the worshipable deity of the dull-headed. Bhuta is also sometimes taken to indicate the ghosts. Lord Shiva takes charge of reforming persons who are ghosts and demons, not to speak of others who are godly. Therefore, he is a spiritual master of everyone, both the dull and demoniac, and the highly learned Vaishnavas. It is also stated, Vaishnava Vaish, 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 Namam Yatashambhu, 
Shambhu, Lord Shiva, is the greatest of all Vaishnavas. On one hand, he is the worshipable object of the dull demons, and on the other, he is the best of all Vaishnavas, or devotees. And he is a sampradaya called the Rudra Sampradaya. Even if he is an enemy or is sometimes angry, such a personality cannot be the object of envy. So Vidura, in astonishment, asked why he was taken as such, especially by Daksha. Daksha is also not ordinary person. He is Prajapati, in charge of fathering population. And all his daughters are highly elevated, especially Sati. The word Sati means the most chaste. Whenever there is consideration of chastity, Sati, this wife of Lord Shiva and daughter of Daksha is considered first. Vidura, therefore, was astonished. Daksha is such a great man, he thought, and is the father of Sati. And Lord Shiva is the spiritual master of everyone. How then could there possibly be so much enmity between them that Sati, the most chaste goddess, could give up her body because of their quarrel? I'm just going to read up to text 9 since we went backwards. My dear Maitreya, to part with one's life is very difficult. Would you kindly explain to me how such a son-in-law and father-in-law could quarrel so bitterly that the goddess Sati, the great goddess Sati, could give up her life? The sage Maitreya said, In a former time, the leaders of the universal creation performed a great sacrifice in which all the great sages, philosophers, demigods, and fire gods assembled with their followers. When Daksha, the leader of the Pajapatis, entered that assembly, his personal bodily luster, as bright as the effulgence of the sun, the entire assembly was illuminated, and all the assembled personalities became insignificant in his presence. Influenced by his personal bodily luster, all the fire gods and other participants in that great assembly, with the exceptions of Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva, gave up their own sitting places and stood in respect for Daksha. Daksha was adequately welcomed by the president of the great assembly, Lord Brahma. After offering Lord Brahma respect, Daksha, by the order of Brahma, properly took his seat. Before taking his seat, however, Daksha was very much offended to see Lord Shiva sitting and not showing him any respect. At that time, Daksha became greatly angry and his eyes glowing. He began to speak very strongly against Lord Shiva. And in today's verse would be text 9, but we'll save that for tomorrow. Well, kind of, anyways, I'll just read text 9, because it actually connects a little to today's verse. Before taking his seat, however, Daksha was very much offended to see Lord Shiva sitting and not showing him any respect. Okay, all, all sages, brahmanas, and fire gods present, please hear me with attention, for I speak about the manners of gentle persons. I do not speak out of ignorance or envy. Quite a proud statement coming from Daksha. I do not speak out of ignorance or envy. He'll find out soon that it was quite envious and ignorant of him. In speaking against Lord Shiva, Daksha tried to pacify the assembly by presenting in a very tactful way that he was going to speak about the manners of gentle persons. Although naturally, this might affect some unmannerly upstarts and the assembly might be unhappy because they did not want even unmannerly persons to be offended. In other words, he was in complete knowledge that he was speaking against Lord Shiva in spite of Shiva's spotless character. As far as envy is concerned, from the very beginning he was envious of Lord Shiva. Therefore, he could not distinguish his own particular envy. Although he spoke like a man in ignorance, he wanted to cover his statements by saying that he was not speaking for impudent and he wanted to cover his statements by saying that he was not speaking for impudent and envious reasons. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namine 
नमस्ते सरस्वती देव गौरवाणी प्रचारिने निर्विशेष शून्यवादी पश्चात्यदेशतरिने Welcome everyone on Mayapur TV, Facebook. I hear people from around the country are getting on. Nice to see how the technology can uh, accommodate those who are in places that may not be having regular Bhagavatam Sangha. So we welcome all the uh, webcam Sangha. Um, could I have a fifth canto? Yeah, fifth canto. So before um, going into some of the themes of this verse, we're in a chapter where Lord Shiva is being glorified and as I was chanting Japa this morning just a few pastimes came to mind interestingly in 10th canto in Krishna book there's one place oh there's a few places where peop, uh, certain personalities approach Lord Shiva because they knew he's Asutosh very easily pleased and one even ended up fighting with Krishna so can anyone, just a little Krishna book trivia before we go into the verse a little bit. Can anyone remember who that person was that went to Lord Shiva for a benediction? And then Lord Shiva actually chastised him. I'll give, you, I'll give a hint. He had lots of arms. <laughs> Vomasura. All right. Two burpees for you. <laughs> so yeah, Vomasura, he, he was, and he was desiring, he had... Oh, Banus, Ban, Ban, Banusura, yeah, Bomasura was, was the uh, son of um, Bhumi, right? Yeah, Ban, Ban, Banasura, Banusura, Banusura, Banasura, Banasura. Yeah, and he was so arrogant, he was like punching down mountains, and then uh, he asked for a benediction, and Lord Shiva said, you fool, you think there's no one more powerful than you? And then eventually uh, he um, was... Actually, he, he got all his arms cut off, but four. I think he, Krishna left four of his arms. And then, uh, but because he is a devotee of Lord Shiva, I believe in this pastime, is it where Lord Shiva and Krishna fought? And the, both the um, uh, Shiva Jor and the Narayan Jor were engaged, right? That was the fight between Shiva and Vishnu, I believe. I, is that the right pastime? Yeah, so who knows what the Shiva Jor is? Heat weapon. It's a heating weapon. So this week's going to hit 93. Later this week it might be 95. Sarvatma Prabhu was telling me he was in, uh, where were you? It was 100 plus? Or someone else was saying where they... they... But you lived somewhere where it was... You lived somewhere where it was very, or you spent time, someone was sharing me they spent time somewhere where it was like a, Florida, oh, 120 degrees. No, it was 108. 108, okay. And we we know at Govardhan it gets definitely 100 plus, even 110. Okay, very hot. So you have Shiva Jor. And then uh, what's the weapon of Lord Vishnu? Narayan Jor. It's a cooling weapon. And uh, they fought. And who won? The Narayanjur. Yeah, so the cold, I believe it in Prabhupada comments that one can tolerate heat, but bitter, bitter, bitter cold, you know, negative 30 degrees, uh, very difficult to function. Although now with all the equipment and gear, some people may say it's not so difficult to handle the cold weather. So anyhow, we see in Bhagavatam, uh, we see Vrikadar, Vrikasura, also approached Lord Shiva for benedictions. They know that he's easily pleased and, and he gives them these benedictions and then it turns against them. So anyhow, even Lord Shiva, uh, there's another pastime, I believe, too. Wasn't there a yawning weapon? Wasn't there a yawning weapon? Who discharged the yawning weapon? Does anyone remember from Krishna book? There was a yawning weapon. 
Yeah, I'm forgetting right now too. So anyways, there's some, <laughs> I'll have to ask my kids. Yeah, I think it's the same passage of scripture that did it to uh, Shiva. Yeah, and Lord Shiva started yawning and... Yeah, and he fell asleep. Yeah. And, and that's when he uh, defeated Banasura. Banasura. Yeah, okay. All right. All right, so just some appreciation of Lord Shiva. So in today's verse, uh, reminded me of a lecture I heard yesterday, Prabhupada speaking in San Francisco, and he's saying, I have sympathy for this community of hippies. And we know at that time, half the persons probably listening to Prabhupada were probably on LSD or on something, you know, either on, on some kind of intoxicant. They probably weren't very, like, tuned in to, as far as sharp consciousness. They, they probably defaulted more without being... Um, negative towards anyone. They were probably more in the dull-minded stage. And Prabhupada was saying, I, I have sympathy for you all. I see that there's confusion and frustration in this community. And he repeated that phrase. It's, a, it's about a 20-minute Rathayatra lecture in San Francisco. There's, there's a press conference, and then he's addressing the audience. And it's in 1971. 1971. And uh, he's saying, I feel for you all. I have sympathy. You are all um, frustrated. You are all, there's much confusion. And there's Srila Prabhupada giving shelter in the form of the Jagannath Rathayatra. He's saying, this is one of the items of worship. This is one of the tadiya, one of the paraphernalia of worshiping Krishna is the Rathayatra festival. And then there's all these devotees and then, you know, mass amounts of these hippies. And uh, they're just like cheering on when the Prabhupada said, I have sympathy for you. I, I, I I'm concerned for you all. You're all frustrated and confused. So Prabhupada in this purport is saying, Lord Shiva takes charge of reforming persons who are ghosts and demons, not to speak of others who are godly. Therefore, he is a spiritual master of everyone, both the dole and demoniac and the highly learned Vaishnavas. So he was saying, many of you here are in our Krishna consciousness movement and many of you are hippies in this state of frustration and confusion. And there he was uh, taking charge and giving that opportunity for, the, for them to experience transcendental reform. And we know in that one lecture, Srila Prabhupada was been being interviewed and said, Swamiji, um, so what, is, what, what, do you th what, is a, what do you think of the hippies? hippies? And, and Prabhupada said, you know, you can ask my students. And then he said, something very extraordinary. <laughs> something very extraordinary. So you can imagine Prabhupada coming in. I remember hearing Mukunda Maharaj's pastime Prabhupada's walking into like a head shop through the hallway and there's like hash smoke and it's like dark and everyone's just really grungy and just stoned out. And there he is, this, you know, regal aristocratic sadhu just coming in, you know, dressed very elegantly as a sannyasi. Prabhupada kept himself so elegant and clean. And there he is, just coming in. Or he went to that farm in, uh, was it Oregon, Northern California? It was, a, it was a, like a naked commune, right? Morning star, and they were just without clothes. And Prabhupada said, "Oh, you are you are you are all very something like you are very in, close to nature." He 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 opened up in a very you know sympathetic, very caring way. Like <laughs> I mean, can you imagine being invited to a program and you get all ready and you go and like you 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 come out and then like everyone's like naked, <laughs> and then and to be able to say, "Oh, I see you're you're all very down to earth, very into being into nature." <laughs> You know, most of us would just be like, all right, I'm going back home, <laughs> or, you know, this is not a place. So you can see how, how Prabhupada is able to move very um, liberally. So I just wanted to read a reference where Prabhupada expands on this uh, understanding of vancha kalpa tarubhyascha kripa sindhubhyavacha patitaram pavani bhyo vaishnavibhyo namo namaha. He opens up um, with that verse uh, to a verse of uh, Prahlad Maharaj, shwastyasti vishvasha kalo prasidatam. Is it 518? 518, I believe. Yep, okay, here we go, 518. So, regarding envy and how we can see Lord Shiva, and he is Vaishvanam Yata Shambhu. Vaishnavanam Yata Shambhu. He's the greatest of all Vaishnavas, and he's setting the standard of an Acharya. And interestingly, um, Srila Prabhupada, of all the Acharyas, came into a scene 
that reminds us of the kind of people that Lord Shiva um, helps and guides and gives them an opportunity to reform and he takes charge of them actually. So in this fur purport, this is the famous verse by Prahlad Maharaj and this is actually, you can see Lord Shiva's in this mood, self-satisfied, thinking of the well-being of all living entities. May there be good fortune throughout the universe and may all envious persons be pacified. May all living entities become calm by practicing bhakti yoga or by accepting devotional service they will think of each other's welfare. Therefore, let us all engage in the service of the Supreme Transcendence, Lord Krishna, and always remain absorbed in thought of Him. So in this chapter, we're going to see how, wow, even great personalities, uh, Lord Shiva, as Prabhupada is saying, Lord Shiva, or Vidura is even inquiring, you have Lord Shiva, the, the chara chara guru, and then you have Sati, the most chaste, and you have Daksha, who's also, Prabhupada saying, not an ordinary personality. How is it that there's conflict and confusion and quarrel. And we see throughout the Bhagavatam these, these kind of situations. How is it that this young trained Brahmana, you know, suddenly became degraded, Ajamil, right? Or how is it that some great yogi like Kardamamuni desired companionship and got married? Or how is it that, you know, this great yogi, um, uh, who's the father of Hiranyakashipu? Uh, no, it was who, who coupled at the wrong time. Um, Kasyapa. Yeah, Kasyapa and Diti, right? How is it that these great personalities, right? Great yogis, mahayogis, yoginis, how is it that they, you know, had union at an inauspicious time and these demons came out? Or, anyways, it's, there's a whole, there's every, every chapter you can see uh, circumstances of various personalities. Bharat Maharaj, how is this this great personality on the level of Bhav became attached to a deer? So throughout the Bhagavatam, there's kind of archetype uh, episodes and circumstances. And so we may question, oh, how, is, how can this happen with persons who are so highly developed? What to say of us, just kind of earthlings and quite dull-minded, at least I could say for myself, you know, just being, growing up in this Kali Yuga atmosphere. There's definitely a lot of dull-mindedness. Um, these were great, great personalities. Many of them are devas, uh, you know, highly elevated kings, and yet we, we find trained brahmanas, and we see that they're in situations where their you know, challenges, seemingly setbacks they're having in their own path, quarrels, quarrels amongst each other, disagreements, confusion. And so Vidura is asking like this. And so as far as Lord Shiva goes, um, Prabhupada is saying here that um, he's the best of all Vaishnavas. Even if he is an enemy or sometimes angry, such a personality cannot be the object of envy. So Vidura in astonishment asks why he was taken as such, especially by Daksha. And then in chapter text uh, 9, we were seeing also about this point of envy. So in this verse, uh, we can see where the Prabhupada uh, expands on this verse, Vanchakalpa Turubhyascha. Just like a desire tree, a Vaishnava can fulfill all the desires of anyone who takes shelter of his lotus feet. Prahlad Maharaj is a typical Vaishnava. He prays not for himself, but for all living entities, the gentle, the envious, and the mischievous. He always thought of the welfare of mischievous persons like his father, Hiranyaksha. So even Lord Shiva, you'll see later in this chapter when there's a lot of havoc, a lot of violence starts happening, cursing and counter-cursing, and it gets really, really nasty. Lord Shiva actually has a very sober, compassionate disposition. And he's actually, he, he, I believe he, he walks away, and he's like, we'll, we'll get to it. But he, he actually feels a lot of compassion, and he's not, he's not like rallying up the, the, the protest. <laughs> he's not rallying up the, um, the cursing and counter-cursing. He's actually feeling very grave and sober, like, I'm not happy with this, what's going on, right? He's not happy with the protesting that's going on and all the violence. Hiranyakashipu, Prahlad Maharaj did not ask for anything for himself. Rather, he prayed for the Lord to excuse his demoniac father. This is the attitude of a Vaishnava who always thinks of the welfare 
of the entire universe. So Prahlad Maharaj is also Chara Chara Guru. Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Dharma are meant for persons who are completely free of envy. Parama Nirmat Saranam. Therefore, Prahlad Maharaj prays in this verse, Kala Prasidatam. So, Srimad Bhagavatam is meant for persons who are free from envy. We also hear Nasta Prayeshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagava It or I'm sorry Tamashoki Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtaki that by regularly hearing Srimad Bhagavatam by regularly hearing Srimad Bhagavatam and serving serving both the book Bhagavat and the devotee Bhagavat, all the unwanted things in the heart will soon come to a nil, right? They'll soon be destroyed. So it's meant for those who are free from envy and from that verse we can see it's also meant for those who are aspiring uh, to see that that envy and all the anartas are also coming to a nil, meaning they're in the shower. That either it's meant for those who are completely free and for those who are in the shower of hearing and chanting, getting cleansed of that nasta prashun will very soon come to a nil. Therefore, Prahlad Maharaj prays, May all envious persons be satisfied. The material world is full of envious persons. But if one frees himself of envy, he becomes liberal in his social dealings and can think of others' welfare. So when I was listening to this lecture, and then you'll see in this pastime, Lord Shiva, the Acharyas, how Srila Prabhupada He's not saying, oh, look at these dirty young people or they're just confused and how come they're just being so rebellious and they're all drugged out. He's actually thinking, I have sympathy for you all, that you're, you're all right on the edge. And he, he would even say, I appreciate these hippies. They are very renounced. They are, you know, maybe this free love and free sex, all right, that needs to be addressed. But he would say, I appreciate them. They're, they're, they are quite detached. They're ready just to like, you know, they're just giving up their homes, uh, giving, you know, whatever, burning up their degrees and, you know, wandering freely, etc., etc. So there was a few issues that Prabhupada addressed for sure, but he appreciated it. He said, wow, they're quite, quite detached. And he really reached out to them. And he had this spirit of, he becomes liberal in his social dealings and can think of others' welfare. Anyone who takes up Krishna consciousness and engages himself completely in the service of the Lord cleanses his mind of all envy. Manas chabadram vajatera dokshaje. Therefore, we should pray to Lord Nersingha Dev to sit on our hearts. We should pray, Bahir Nersingha, Ridaye Nersingha. Let Lord Nersingha Dev sit in the core of my heart, killing all my bad propensities. Let my mind become clean so that I may peacefully worship the Lord and bring peace, peace to the entire world. So in this situation, we see that Lord Shiva is being improperly judged and even we see him get quite angry, right? We see, we're going to see him get very angry. I mean, he pulls out one of his locks, and out comes this Virabhadra, kills Daksha. And we even see throughout various pastimes, Lord Shiva does manifest uh, certain moods of anger. Raghunath was sharing recently when he used to serve Tamal Krishna Maharaj. He said that it seemed like Maharaj had ang was like angry, but he said it's like a doctor. When there's a very serious like cancer, the doctor may require a certain type of knife to, to do the incision, to cut out the unwanted ailment. So meaning that it's not that, it's just like a doctor when there's like an aggressive seemingly act that they have to do, it's not that they're angry at the person, it's for that person's well-being. It's much different than just a conditioned soul's anger. So similarly, Lord Shiva and throughout the Bhagavatam, various personalities exhibited uh, symptoms of anger, but there was no envy there. They were actually very compassionate personalities, thinking the welfare of all. And even in the midst of seemingly quarrel and confusion and discord, uh, they were not, even in that situation, they were not envious. So I thought just to ask for a few minutes, um, throughout the Bhagavatam, there are various personalities. In the fourth canto, we're actually going to see another personality who was so angry. I mean, so angry, he actually said, I will shred you up into pieces. Who, 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 uh, who knows who, later in the fourth canto, yes, Mother Nidra? Yeah, Prithu Maharaj. He became, well, maybe you can share. So Prithu Maharaj is another Acharya who is Charachara Guru, compassionate to all living entities. So what could you say, Mother Nidra, about 
his seemingly, people might say, man, he's really losing it, just chastising Mother Earth, who is like Mother Bhumi, great devotee of Krishna. And here's Prithumaraj's Chachriya. How is it that he's kind of going overboard with anger, saying that he's going to shred her up? And he was also, in one sense, quite confident to say, I'm not one of those corrupt kings, right? I believe in that chapter he said, I, I'm, I'm actually here to take care of the citizens and distribute, um, the, you know, make, make sure that the uh, lands are fertile, full of food. I'm, I'm here actually thinking of others' welfare. I, I'm not in that category. And so he was really wanting to, like, he, he was confident that I'm, I'm here to serve and not to... Uh, envy and exploit and so to reassure her that he wasn't just one of those uh, corrupt personalities because it it made sense from her side right that hey there's all these corrupt kings I'm gonna withdraw resources because I'm just being exploited and he said I'm, I'm actually here to take care of you yeah nice yeah so his his intensity and his anger wasn't based it's not based on the when Krishna says Yes, Dhruva Maharaj. Did you say something? He said, I live to be corrected. <laughs> yeah, good. All right. Very nice. And any, someone from First Canto, who can remember someone from First Canto? Uh, for, I was thinking of a cow was being beaten. But yeah, Dervas Muni, definitely. And he's an interesting one, too, because one, one could see, man, what a, like, kind of, what a, uh, you know, grumpy yogi. At the same time, he's a great personality, even in relationship to Ambarishmars. We have to be careful not to think anything ill of um, Dervas Muni, as with Prajapati Daksha. But yeah, um, who just said Parikshit Maharaj? Jivan? All right, yeah, can you share something? Earth, yeah, cow was, yeah, there was Mother Earth and Dharma was the bull. But he, he was observing a very violent scene. So he, um, was it the, was it personification of color? Yeah, dressed as a, dressed as a king. Yeah, well he was actually, he pulled out a sword even. It's described that he pulled out a sword, he was about to chastise him. And then he surrendered. So right away, he said, all right, here's a surrendered soul. As a chachriya, my duty is to uh, show mercy. And then he gave him, he said, you can go to a place, basically you can go to Las Vegas, <laughs> go to a place where gold is hoarded and all the sinful activities. So yeah, he gave him shelter. Anyhow, 
Anything else regarding just certain persons who exhibited anger and externally we can say, well, that seems to be very inappropriate for a devotee or for an elevated person. So anyways, we may see like this in the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna, I believe in the purport, Prabhupada says that for if a, do you remember this purport, Sarvant Prabhupada or Sarvant Prabhupada says, uh, a senior, a senior is not an object of one's correction. Even if they, I think there's a purport. Prabhupada says they may chastise, and they may exhibit a certain emotion, but they're not an object of one's criticism. Do you remember? The nectar of instruction. I just remember somewhere in the first chapter regarding bijma and personalities, but also nectar of instruction. So yeah, we may see at times where our own spiritual master, we may see, and it's not that the person who is in that role should then leverage that like, well, because I'm the spiritual master, I'm going to go ahead and just like, you know, get angry and dominate and exploit and chastise. Not that I'm going to, because that can happen too. One in a position, especially like Lord Shiva, can justify, I'm this great personality, I'm known as Charachara Guru, so then I'm just going to uh, just chastise everyone, subjugate everyone, oppress everyone, exploit everyone. No, it's not like that. They're very gentle. They're very caring. And there may be an incident where some intensity comes out for the well-being of the recipient. Meaning that they're able to do that. Why? Because they're nimrat saranam, they're free from envy. And because they're on that platform, when there is an intensity of behavior like Parikshit Maharaj, like Lord Shiva, like Dhruva Maharaj, um, who else? Do, I mean, you know, um, the Pandavas, right? Even the Pandavas, when there's an intensity of chastisement, uh, it's not coming from a platform of envy like it would be for those who are conditioned. So we have to be very careful as well to not um, leverage and improperly use a position to subjugate others, but one actually has to have the qualification. Yeah, that's a very nice example because he, we hear he was quite strong. He was quite strong, and even with um, the the brahmacharis and the and the sadhus, the devotees of the mat, very he had a very kind of you can say intense way of disciplining, and and at the same time, an incredibly care. When if someone left, he his he would give up all his attention and time to make sure that that person was, you know, attended to. Um, and he was also not shy to uh, chastise and especially uh, uh, call out those who were you know, either sahajya or speaking apasadanta or against tattva. He was ready to roar like a lion. And one might say, oh, he seems to be an angry person or he seems to not be so happy because he's chasing people down across the street, <laughs> calling them out on their improper philosophy. And uh, this was actually out of compassion. It's actually out of great, great compassion, not out of just his ego to dominate someone. His, his, his boldness and humility and, and uh, his vigilance to honor the parampara. I think Srila Prabhupada at the end also he, he felt some he expressed this humility like I, I may have said some strong things so this is the heart of the Vaishnava yeah nice references oh can you can you expand that one a little 
So from what I remember, Krishna vowed not to fight, but then when he saw Arjuna kind of being in a vulnerable, threatened position, he picked up the wheel, which isn't a weapon, technically. Of course, Krishna could pick up, I mean, Balaram picks up a blade of grass and he can slice someone with that. But technically, it's not a weapon. And from what I remember hearing, Arjuna started running after Krishna because he said, you can't break your vow because Krishna is like, I'll break, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. You're my devotee and I'm going to protect you. This is just to show how much Krishna loves his devotees. And Arjuna just, it's described that Arjuna is big. He's strong. And he just like grabbed Krishna around the waist or the thighs. And Krishna was actually dragging him, right? I think he was like dragging him. And Arjuna finally like planted his feet in the ground so hard that he had, and then finally Krishna, he was like, no, don't do it, Krishna. Don't do it. And he, he was just like grabbing Krishna. And, and, and it's described that Krishna's eyes were just like red hot like iron. He was just going to go after um, Bhim, Bhishma, who was actually kind of like, yeah, I, 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 I want to welcome it. And uh, yeah, so that... Yeah. And, and then Arjuna's reassuring Krishna, I'll, I'll fight him tomorrow, Krishna. Don't worry, I'm going to fight him tomorrow. And then uh, who was it that kind of played like a, um, that went in front of Arjuna? Because Bhishma wouldn't kill him because he was a, who was it? Shikandi. Yeah, so then there was this whole, the next day there was this whole like arrangement, Shikandi and Arjuna. Anyways, I can't remember all the details. Yeah, so that fierceness and intensity. Uh, was there in Krishna to protect his ajo. Oh, and here's another point too. Prabhupada says anger, anger, envy. When the devotee exhibits anger, if it's in service to Krishna in the mood of protecting a devotee, right? So this was Lord Krishna setting that example of anger. And we've seen it even, I, I haven't experienced it myself, but I read in Radhadamadar Vilas, in the early years, there was pretty intense scenes. I mean, I don't know, in the 80s maybe, there was publicly even, devotees would be out. And I think I remember reading Keshava, he like, at a Rathayatra, he fought off like eight guys, single-handedly. I mean, you can't just be, you gotta be pretty angry. You gotta be, your energy's gotta be pretty angry to fight eight guys that are like burly, single-handedly. And there's Keshava chanting Hare Krishna, and then he sees this situation and uh, he just like acted like fire and just like took them all out, floored them. And so Prabhupada gives the example of Hanuman. Hanuman engaged anger uh, in service to Ram, right? He went to Lanka, created havoc. And so that anger, again, isn't just, well, I've, you know, I'm going to just use this and just uh, exploit and hurt others. Uh, it's all in service to Ram. It's all in service to Krishna. Even Arjuna, there's no doubt how he fought. He couldn't just be like shanti, shanti, and like, you know, he was so fierce. It's described that when he fought, shoulders were going down like waves of an ocean. He was an atirati, you know, 16,000 warriors he could fight single hand, and they were just going down like waves. Just that, that fierceness and intensity. And yet, he, he's a Vaishnava. He's a dear devotee of Krishna. So dear that Krishna is willing to break his vow to protect him. So Hanuman... Um, all these personalities we see that. And even in recent days, uh, recent times, a devotee uh, in general is peaceful, non-envious, very caring, wishing for everyone's well-being, but ready to act like fire. And in, actually in the, first, in the first lectures, it's kind of an intense lecture, first chapter of Bhagavad Gita lecture, there's one where Prabhupada said, a devotee's not coward, he can fight. A devotee will not run away. <laughs> Meaning Prabhupada's basically saying like, if needed, a devotee will fight and be empowered. And then in ninth chapter, ninth canto, pastime of Ram, uh, he gives example of like Hanuman and the monkeys. They didn't have all these fancy kind of weapons, but because they were empowered by Ram, they were able to defeat all, the, all these high-tech weapons. But anyways, in the first canto lecture, Prabhupada's very bold. A devotee's not a coward. And he's basically uh, elaborating on the Chatriyas, how they were very bold and ready to do their duty. Krishna Prabhu? Something from your side? Yeah, that, uh, that, <laughs> that incident in Srinapapa and the Pandora program, when 
Jamuna Devi. Yeah. Yeah, what a... Has, it, has anyone seen a... Is there a video of that? Is that was that documented? I mean, I was, can you imagine Prabhupada? Yeah, fierce. Yeah. And, uh, and no doubt, here is Prabhupada, Charachara Guru, Guru of all moving and non-moving entities. Prabhupada's, just like Lord Shiva, satisfied in himself, greatest monks of devotees, peaceful personality. And there he is seeing uh, one of his disciples, one of the young ladies being harassed, and then he just becomes like fire. So this is qualified. This is qualified. So Prabhupada's saying here, even if, it, even if he is an enemy, or if sometimes angry, such a personality cannot be the object of envy. Yeah. Um, the anger, the, an the anger. Yeah. I've heard different things, and Shastra-wise, maybe if you have some more references. From what I've heard, envy. Um, when there's a lecture, Prabhupada's referring. He said, in the spiritual world, there's no. He says jealousy or envy, and so he says, what is their consciousness there? They see, wow, Bhakta Steve, you clean so nicely. And in the material world, it's like, well, actually, I hope he breaks his wrist so that next week when I clean, everyone can see how good I clean. This is envy, right? But in the spiritual world, Prabhupada says, the consciousness is, oh, this devotee is serving Krishna? Let me, let me take this as an opportunity to increase my service attitude. Let me, let me serve Krishna more sincerely because this devotee is doing so nicely. So the only way I can, the only way I'm, maybe you can uh, give some other perspective is how to, it's not really like dovetailing envy, but it's like, wow, I'm feeling this envy, and the best way then to uh, deal with it is, well, let me appreciate what this devotee is doing, and then learn from them and become enthusiastic myself to serve Krishna more sincerely. So it's not actually like engaging that envy, right? But it's more of, yeah, it's more of how to like, have you, have you heard some other references about engaging? Because en basically envy means like, just like this. Malice. Right. And in, in, in the song Amar Jivan, Bhaktivinoda Thakur takes the role of a humble, conditioned soul, saying, I find happiness when I see others in distress. And then when I see others happy, I'm in distress. So basically, very. And, what's that? Paradukasuki. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, this is a nice phrase, Paradukaduki, that um, Lord Shiva and great Acharyas like this, when they see suffering of others, they feel very compassionate. And even we'll see later in this pastime, when all the mayhem's going on, Lord Shiva is not just like, yeah, and like, I hope my guys like take over and dominate this whole like cursing and counter cursing. He actually wasn't happy about it. He was very, very compassionate. He wasn't trying to leverage like, my side's going to like, you know, win this protest. Yeah. Still, still a gamble. Yeah. So, how 
very good point. And even when you were mentioning like Kashyap and Diti, all this austerity, and then just whoop, bad timing, just one moment of bad timing, and then pff, giving birth to like two of the most formidable demons. So the lesson of the one thing I was thinking is to not ride on one's laurels of, well, hey, I'm a devotee, I put tilak on, I chant 16 rounds, and all right, it's all good, everything's going to work out. Because it, it, it can be one moment of inattention, and it's it, how humbling that must have been for DT and Kashapa, just, oh my gosh, just that moment of ill timing, and then that produced these two demons. And you were saying, as you were saying, how, yeah, in this Kali Yuga, I heard a lecture, Prabhupada said, we're, these Dasa Samskaras, we're not even like qualified to even know how to perform them properly. And he said, in this age, the only hope is Sankirtan, is the Sankirtan Yagya, the holy name, the holy name. And interestingly, in this, in this address, the Ratha Yatra address, it's a great talk, Prabhupada just repeatedly saying, it's only, the only way is this chanting of Hare Krishna. And at the end, he's like, please, everyone, chant along with me, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. And Prabhupada says, one more time, and then he says, one more time again. And you re- at least I, I was really feeling, wow, Prabhupada's stressing so much. It's this chanting of Hare Krishna, hearing Hare Krishna, that's like the only remedy for this age. And um, yeah, we, we, we can do the samskaras. Some of us know about them. Many, many, even devotees may not know the technicalities of all the samskaras up to death, right? There's Garbhadana samskara, then there's the anaprasana, and there's even one piercing the ear and before writing, and, um, and there's you know, initiation, the marriage, there's some of the principal ones. Uh, but even like, I was thinking, um, this one Indian man came up afterward and goes, oh, you didn't do the seven rings, and like, it was sincere. He, he wasn't like, he wasn't, but he was like, you didn't do the seven rings, and then like, the, and then I said, you know, I'm quite simple, and main thing is like, we chant Hare Krishna, <laughs> and he's like, yes. And he was actually was appreciating, he was like, yes, I know how Swami Prabhupada um, stressed that it's, you know, chant Hare Krishna and that sincerity of purpose. But when he was saying like, you know, this part and that part and the mantra for this, and I said, you know, I, did, I don't know so much of the details, but I do know that if whatever yagya we do, if Hare Krishna chanting is there, then, <laughs> then it's complete. Um, so anyways, going back to your point, I don't want to divert or, or sidestep the point you made. You said, um, how can we be assured, even as devotees, and that that come and, and it's and it's true and then we see there's of issues we might have um, here we are in Krishna consciousness and then there's others who are born to someone who may have chanted so we can't just ride on that guarantee we, we have to therefore training needs to be there and uh, regular r- regular um, environment of Krishna consciousness I remember yes- yesterday was Ratha Yatra so just to share um, it was nice, Niladri in the past two, she has Jagannath Baladev, Subhadra deities. So two weeks ago in Snanayatra, they became sick. So we bathed, we bathed Jagannath with Gauri came over and we had a Snanayatra in the backyard. Basically, we put Jagannath on a rock and then we got a few uh, bowls of water and they were bathing Jagannath. It was a hot day, like in the 90s. So we bathed all the deities. And then she made like a little um, nursing bed under her bunk bed. And then at night, she would bring him up and sleep with them. And then, during the, and then yesterday, she made new outfits. She was sewing up new outfits. And then last night, Abai was sitting in front of Jagannath like this. It was like really late at night. And he was like kind of discouraging. He goes, we didn't do the Rathayatra. Like, because we were planning on making a palanquin and taking him around the block or something. And we just didn't get around to doing it. And he was like, we didn't do the Rathayatra. Today's Rathayatra. So we watched the... Um, live feed of what's going on in Puri. But I just thought like, you know, it's not, it's, if, if we just, the reason I'm bringing this up is um, it's so important that an atmosphere of Krishna consciousness is there, whether it's hearing, whether it's chanting, and for ourselves, whether it's regularly taking darshan of the deities, taking the charnamrita, all these seemingly little acts, it'll come out in our life uh, later on or at present. The, the more we do these are all, all these sankalpas, all these samskaras. Take, every time we take darshan of the deities, every time we clap in kirtan, raise our hands, offer obeisances, put on tilak attentively with the mantras, taking, doing achman, chanting our Gayatri mantra, attentively chanting our 16 rounds. So if we're regularly doing that, and then also creating an atmosphere where 
our associates, our kids, our friends, our ashramites are having an opportunity to be around those impressions, it will, it, it will rub off and, and start to then uh, become more prominent. I know for myself, I've got so much conditioning, so the more I'm hearing Bhagavatam, Krishna's pastimes, then all those other sitcoms and movies and songs are not as prominent, right? There's a higher taste, param drishva nivartate. So it's very important that even with all the samskaras, the training needs to be there. Because as we see in Ajamil, he had the training as a brahmana, and he just one glance of, of some lower level behavior going on, he became bewildered just from that one glance. What to say? It's everywhere now. So Mother Nidra, we can close here. And just uh, real quick, who's ever giving class tomorrow, which I think Bala might, it's going to be text 9. Yes, Mother Nidra. Srirag told me he was hiding behind the pillar waiting for yeah, them. Wow, you, you really got some front view of some exciting moments. Yeah.
was necessary. Mm -hmm. They uh, they just utilized it. Nice. Thank you for sharing, Mother Nidra. I think we'll close with that. New Badrik Ashram pastimes and Mother Nidra. I'm sure you have, being, being on the front lines of Sankirtan throughout the 80s, um, I've heard just some of the things you shared me just got me my blood boiling of what, what you experienced yourself, people punching you and just like, God, where is that person? <laughs> and, and then how they came back and apologized and just incredible. Such, I mean, these, these souls are fortunate that I'm sure you're thanking Krishna as Prahlad did to his father. They're very fortunate. Um, at the same time, I'm sure I, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. <laughs> so we're, we're going to learn a lot in this chapter about envy, um, uncontrolled anger, uncontrolled improper judgment of a personality, great personality, um, even the disgust of a family member to the point that one doesn't even want to be in one's body. One says, you know, it's kind of like vomit, you know, coming from you is like just being like vomit. I mean, it's pretty heavy statements that Sati will be sharing. And ultimately, it's all for the purification of all these personalities and even Daksha for his, for his reform. And this is Lord Shiva's mercy, right? He's out there to help the dull-minded and those who are envious. So even in this pastime, we'll see the uh, correction that Daksha goes through and his kind of reconciliation he has with Lord Shiva. So we'll stop there. Thank you very much. And so tomorrow is text. Tomorrow is Wednesday. So text uh, nine. Oh, I'm sorry. I read text nine. So tomorrow will be text ten of chapter two. Grantarashimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Shila Prabhupada ki jai.